Today, we will be starting our second segment on our mini health series. In our previous episode, we discussed mental health in depth. Today, we will be going over to the topic on everybody's lips, that of abortion laws and obviously the groundbreaking case, that of Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade case caused a lot of issues in a lot of people's lives, be that in a good way, you know, finally we're being heard or be that in a uh, very controversial way of okay so now we we don't have a say on our bodies etc like it's it's pretty broad and i think for a second episode on health again just touching base on a very broad field this would be an awesome way for us to wrap up our mini series our mini quarter on health my name is brendan now my name is Llewellyn Fisser, and this is Finding Borders. Roll intro. us off Mr. Legal Man. I understand you are a student of the law in South Africa. What can you tell us about your findings on abortion? Well yes I'm our third third year student in law over here and actually in my second year I quite went in depth with abortion law and the nasaturis age which is the unborn fetus and so forth and I think definitely today we'll be discussing not just South African perspective but obviously the Roe v Wade case. But before we can get started on Roe v. Wade, I think it'd be good to give some historical background and context to abortion laws in general in the United States. Now, if we dial back the clock a bit, we can see that in the earliest of, I think, 19th, 20th century, um, which happened was uh, the first state was Connecticut, which completely decriminalized, I mean, criminalized abortion for anyone who was administering poison and also taking poison for the methods of abortion. So Connecticut was the first state. Later, I think it was in 1967, in which Colorado was the first state to completely decriminalize abortion, but only to be used for the purposes of like a medical issue or the fetus was in danger if it was by virtue of rape or incest. And obviously, 1973, which I'll give over the mic to you now to give us some more in-depth context on the case, which was Roe v. Wade. With Roe v. Wade, abortion back then in Texas, which is where Norma McAvoy, who's known as Jane Roe, abortion was illegal in Texas, unless like you just said, it was to save the mother's life. You know, there's a complication and you can't have an emergency cesarean section, C-section to remove the fetus, to save both their lives in an attempt. So to make a very clear standing on this she jane roe in this case became pregnant with her third child this was in 1969 now they wished to not have a third child for reasons unknown 
as their choice. They didn't want a third child. And they wanted an abortion, which is in Texas, which was illegal back in 1969. Basically, what had happened was Jane Roe, aka Norma McElroy, sued the district attorney, Henry Wade, hence Roe v. Wade. It was a special three-judge court of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Texas. And they heard the case and ruled in her favor, seven to two. So on, the sec- on January 22nd, 1973, the Supreme Court issued a seven to two decision. It was that the due process clause of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution, which provides a fundamental right to privacy. Now... On the 24th of June, 2022, the Supreme Court overruled Roe in a Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization on the grounds that the substantive right to abortion was not deeply rooted in this nation's history or tradition. Now, those are quotations. So what happened with Dobbs, which is essentially what overruled the Roe v. Wade case, and the precedent that established in abortion cases was triggered by Mississippi law that banned abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Now, the the Supreme Court is made up of six conservative judges, and only three of them are liberals. And these judges are appointed to the Supreme Court for life. Like the only way you're getting out of the Supreme Court in the US is if you either A, retire, or B, die. Like that is as simple as it is, but obviously you are nominated by the president. You're employed by the president, who in this case is Joe Biden. But it's not really the only controversial case. Like I will say that there was a few other cases. So one in 1952 was Brown v. the Board of Education, which deemed segregated schools to be unconstitutional. Then you had Loving v. Virginia in 1967, which ruled that laws banning interracial marriages were unconstitutional. And later, you had Obergefell versus Hodges in 2015, which ruled that blocking same-sex marriage was unconstitutional. And all of these were centered around the 14th Amendment and the right to privacy. So that 14th Amendment right, which is the right to privacy, seems really key in this case as to the fact that if you don't have the ability to make decisions with your body, you're essentially stripped off your privacy. Like, like, what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely, man. I think there was a lot of um, legal academics in the United States that wrote many, many papers afterwards, which thoroughly discussed like that women born 10 to 20 years ago have much less rights now that women had well 40 to 50 years before that and we also i find we also have to look at some of the groundbreaking um, strides it made um, for well pro abortionists after um the roe v wade case initially we're uh, reading back initially back in 1973 we can look at some of the legislation passed by bill clinton which i believe was called um Free access to Health Clinics Act, in which he um, ruled that 
Um, you cannot obstruct the entrance of any abortion clinics or any clinical things giving, well, any abortion services. And also you have to look in 2018, which was another groundbreaking um, case, which was called uh, the Women's Health versus Hellestead, which basically the final decision ruled that Texas couldn't place restrictions on uh, abortion services and, and they could not create any undue burden for women who wanted to get an abortion. So there were a lot of positives and negatives. It's it truly only um, is up to you in which side of the spectrum you are on. But like, Moving um, away yeah. from the United States, we can now take a look at some other countries and other continents, um, rules and regulations, laws, um, ruling over abortion laws, for example, I think we'll start with our home country, which is South Africa. Now, South Africa, there are very few restrictions placed on abortions, and you can get an abortion up to 13 weeks of pregnancy in South Africa. In between the, um, 13 to 20 weeks of pregnancy, um, it has to be under very specific um, or really specific conditions, which can pertain to maybe your fetus is in trouble or it cost your own life. If it's for some sort of medical implication, you can actually get an abortion over 13 to 20 weeks. Now, if we take a look back at the United States, some of the states after the Roe v. Wade uh, case was overturned, um, I think it's now about to eight states, which has criminalized, essentially criminalized abortion. And I think up to one state specifically, um, ruled up to, you cannot get an abortion. Uh, we can only get abortion up to six weeks of pregnancy, which the majority of pregnant women in the United States don't even know they're pregnant yet. So, which is quite controversial. We can also take a look at, Australia has also really made strides in decriminalizing abortion over the years. Western Australia places abortion under criminal code. South Australia, which we have spoken about before in a previous episode about load shedding, has been the most recent state to actually decriminalize abortion with the changes starting on the 7th of July this year. So it's already been decriminalized and saying that the limits on like your surgical abortions, they vary from 16 weeks in the Australian Capital Territory or Canberra to 24 weeks in Victoria, which is neighboring New South Wales before any further approvals are needed. I find we're actually quite privileged now in the 21st century to be living in a world where we have all these options for contraception to, you know, up to 99.999 to the last decimal percent to prevent unwanted pregnancy or unplanned pregnancy, as they call. I mean, for instance, you know, men have condoms. Okay. That's one measure. Yeah. They even have internal condoms nowadays. Like you can have one that does the exact same thing, but for the women, you have, the contraceptive pill that's been around for a few years now, at least you have, you have your copper IUD. So look, there's actually a lot more options to prevent unplanned pregnancy nowadays. It it's just a matter of, is that enough? And is it still important to have the choice? Should any of these measures fail as they they have, because I just mentioned you have a 99.99 to the last decimal chance of it not happening, unplanned pregnancy. It does still happen. So, yeah, look, I honestly think in this topic and in this conversation and in this direction we've taken, we have not made the slightest dint to alter the course of these macro decisions like I just felt that it is important we address it and give our two cents on the matter. And for those in need, 
hopefully come across this episode and might walk away with something more, might already hear something they've already heard and they know absolutely nothing afterwards, but I just feel like I'm willing to take that chance. And I think on that bombshell, it is time for us to end. And I would like to give a very short introduction, more of a teaser really, into our next topic, which will be travel. Thank you, and tune in next week as we start our second, third, fourth, I don't know which quarter we're on even more. Just stay in and stay tuned.